My name is Patrick Walford, and I feel... I was going to say choked up. That's two fucking words. I'm going to start that again. <laughs> you feel choked up? You feel like this is... Uh, it's moving? <laughs> My name is Patrick Walford, and I feel that imposter syndrome is kind of like a virus. It's something that it can infect you. It can infect sort of everything around you and kind of how you do things. But a lot of the time with viruses, there is a cure. And sometimes that cure is, you know, just simply continuing to do it. Other times, you know, that cure can be just kind of kicking down that door and saying, I'm not going to let this take me prisoner, which is a lot easier said than done. But it is one of those things that you always have to keep your eye out for a little bit. That or amoxicillin for seven days. Yeah. Yeah. It's just these voices in my head that tell me I am better off giving up or giving in instead of letting people down. And now these forces pull me in and make me stay in bed instead of getting up and convincing me that the morning's not my friend. And I know that I'm not. The only one who's got these voices that they try to hide away. What's going on, my fellow imposters, my imposterlites, my imposter padres? That doesn't work. Uh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number three of Imposter Syndrome. Uh, I am really excited about this show i know i'm gonna say that all the time i'm gonna say i'm excited about this show i'm really excited about this episode today's episode we have host of rock the walls he is the music director at adobe howl at adobe radio uh he's interviewed bands like sum 41 blink 182 motion city soundtrack a day to remember silverstein bring me the horizon the list just goes on and on i'm really excited to have this guy on one of my closest friends Patrick Walford is on the show today, and this is really exciting. This is episode number three, and, uh, uh, you know, Patrick, very busy guy, uh, uh, as he'll talk about in the episode, he's got so many things going on, and uh, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to get him on the show, because just obviously, of course, really busy, and uh, uh, I'm very grateful to the time he he took out to be on here, um, but it, it, it brings up an interesting, an interesting point. Uh, when I was thinking about people to have on this podcast, I made two lists. One of people, contacts that I knew, friends, colleagues, all those other things. And then the other one was uh, a list of bigger guests that I wasn't sure if they would have the time to be on, if I knew them, or bigger guests that I wouldn't, I'm not sure if they'll be on because I, I don't know them. They're part of bigger bands, whatever else that I don't uh, um, uh, have a personal connection to personal contact with and already on episode three i i've i've got one of my big guests on the show that i can cross off the list so it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to see how imposter syndrome is changing in my mind because of something like this like in the beginning my worry was whether or not people would want to be on and now that people are starting to to uh uh agreed to come onto the show. Uh, Patrick, one of my bigger gets that I was really hoping to get on here, but I wasn't sure if he'd have time. He came on. And 
all of a sudden that imposter narrative changed a little bit to it changed from why would anybody want to be on this? No one's going to want to be on to all of a sudden, why would anybody want to listen to this? Who's going to listen? And that's interesting because in the beginning, I didn't care if anybody listened. This is for me. This is just for me. This is for me to surround myself with like-minded people uh, um, just to help me see that these thoughts are not, uh, um, are not indicative to just me. These are things that affect other people that they struggle with, that they push through every day. And uh, um, I didn't really care if no, if nobody listened. If you are listening, understand, I do care that you're listening. I'm very excited to have you listen. But trying to become a popular pod- podcaster to this is, is not my goal. It's just to talk to like-minded people about this thing that, I struggle with and to realize that we all struggle with this. So it's just interesting to see how imposter syndrome has changed its narrative from who'd want to be here to why would anybody want to listen to it? Uh, and I'm, I'm interested to see as more people come on, if people start to listen, what the narrative will shift to there, you know, beginning to make me realize that that imposter syndrome is not scared of the thing. It's just scared. It's just nervous is all. It's not scared of the specific thing it's trying to point out. It's not, it's not scared of no one will want to be on here. It's not scared of nobody will want to listen, but if it constantly shifts, it just shows that it's just scared. It's just, it's just a, a fear that it has. And you don't necessarily have to, hold yourself back because you're afraid. And in fact, if you're doing something that scares you, in a lot of cases, you know that you're doing something that's going to benefit you, you're going to push yourself to grow, because pushing yourself to something that makes you feel a little uncomfortable. That's what helps us grow within reason, obviously, of course, within reason. If it's somebody offering you candy to get into their van and you feel a little uncomfortable, don't get into the van. That's not, you're not going to, you're not going to help yourself grow if you do something like that. Uh, but from something like this, that's a different case. But it's interesting to see how that's shifting in my mind. Further uh, um, confirming my original thought that the imposter is not me. The imposter is the imposter's voice itself that plays inside my head. That's the imposter. Uh, um, and it plays as this really big character that tries to be super scary and tries to, you know, threaten you with the world to keep you small. So that way you can protect yourself. And, and if you're a person who's experienced trauma in the past, like I have, um, it, it, it digs its, it digs its uh, uh, heels in so much more so much more and that that beast that tries to scare you to hold you back becomes so much bigger and feels so much more difficult to overcome but i oddly feel like that beast is getting slightly smaller and smaller or maybe not smaller maybe i feel like i'm just gearing myself up more so i'm interested to see how this continues to develop but regardless you can't waste any more time this is a big show this is a big guest we got here, and I do not want to leave him waiting any further. Uh, 
even though I recorded this after the, the interview was done, he's not waiting, but I don't want to wait anymore for you to get a chance to hear him uh, on the podcast today. My very good friend, incredible human being, Patrick Walford. Thanks for being on the show, man. How's it? How is everything? How are you doing? How's how's life going? Oh, good, man. Um, now, uh, as of a couple months ago, um, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, I am literally on air hosting um, every single day this year on Adobe Radio. Um, yes. So, um, so Monday to Fridays, I'm 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. in the afternoons. Um, then the weekends, I do mornings from uh, 6 to 10 a.m. And then the afternoon from 4 to 8 um, and then on top of that, um, I host <laughs> Rock the Walls Thursdays on Adobe Howl or Metal Station um, and Saturdays on Adobe Howl, um, like our flagship station. Um, and then on top of that as well, on Fridays, I uh, host a show called uh, Friday Night Harder, where basically I just play like the new music, getting out of into rotation on Adobe Howl. Mm. And that's a show that runs on Adobe uh, Radio at uh, 7 p.m. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, most weeks, uh, there's also a show called Dissected, uh, which is basically just a a track by track as uh, two of my three cats are uh, trying their best to make an appearance right now. I see that. They're just um, dusting the old stash. That's all it is. Yep. Um, so yeah, so Dissected, it's called Dissected, the Anatomy of New Music. So bands come on and talk a little bit about, you know, the writing and recording of their new albums. And they kind of go through track by track and talk a little bit about writing and recording and stuff. So so yeah, it's uh, it's busy, and then on Sundays, Sunday uh, evenings as well. Um, I also do a couple hours over on Adobe Radio. So, jeez, that's insane. That's that's a that's a ton of work, and it's the weirdest thing about getting into like your your dream job kind of thing, as they call it. Where yeah. it's like you always anticipate. You're like, oh, I want to do this thing, and that's all I want to do. And then you get there, and you realize you're like, oh this is all i'm doing at any point yeah. in time in my day <laughs> well on on top of that as well um of being on air and doing all those shows and stuff i'm also music director of our metal station yeah um so that's like you know every single week uh you know choosing new songs to go into like our featured rotation and like scheduling it and stuff um so a lot of that is just facilitating with the, you know publicists and labels uh, um as far as uh them getting their uh, their bands on um and mm -hmm. whatnot so so yeah so it's uh it's a lot of fun and then on top of that i also worked full-time hours at an airport on top of all that so so yeah there's uh not enough hours in the day to say the least legitimately so you're running basically on red bull and just pure adrenaline at this moment so sometimes um <laughs> It's it's weird too because you would think with my schedule and all the stuff that I do that I'd be like a huge coffee guy and <laughs> yeah. I like I just don't have the taste for coffee. I, I feel um, that neither do I. So so yeah, and then same thing, uh, energy drinks. I mean, it, maybe every once in a while, but it's yeah. it's definitely I'd say that's like a maybe once a month sort of thing. Have um, you have you found? Okay, when when we were younger, like twenties, like I remember being in broadcasting right and there was one point in time I, I was i was working on some music i had an audition for ytv for a tv show and i had two projects to for school i stayed up for four days straight oh, man working on stuff like younger even just like 20s totally like how do you feel in your body now trying to do this versus trying to do it back then 
it's there there's some days where i i feel like i can definitely feel but then there there's other days where you know i might only get three or four hours sleep uh the yeah. night before but i wake up and i guess just with the the stuff that i have to do or what's on deck i'm kind of just like you know i can go back to sleep and then wake up and just have this feeling of just like oh no like crap like i should have been spending my time like you know doing all this sort of stuff type deal uh -huh. so uh -huh. one of the things that i um that I tend to do actually. Um, so it kind of sort of works out. So through the week, uh, Monday to Wednesday, I generally work from two 30 until midnight. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll get home and go to bed. Um, and then my wife, uh, she runs and manages a dog daycare here in Toronto. Um, and she, it goes to work like very early. Um, and just with the way the TTC is and all the service diversions and whatnot, um, she has to walk a couple blocks up to queen street to catch a streetcar. Yeah. Um, so, um, I basically, I wake up with her every single morning and, uh, you know, go with her and wait with her at the streetcar stop. Um, and then generally I'll come back home and start working on uh, radio stuff or, you know, listening to albums that, that I've been sent and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But there's definitely been a couple times lately. Um, and it's, it's, it's definitely not, uh, anything to do, do with the bands and the quality of the music or anything, but, uh, legitimately, you know, I'm listening to new albums and then halfway through it all of a sudden um you know what i mean i, I sleep and i wake up and the album's done and i'm yep. trying to figure out how long i've slept for luckily lately it seems like if i do fall asleep um it'll be for like 15 or 20 minute stretches sure sure yeah, um yeah. but it feels like it's been a couple of hours type deal so yeah i don't know how you are but like I I'm not a good napper. So like, yeah, if I, if I take a nap and wake up, it feels like somebody put me to sleep for seven years and punched me every single minute of that whole entire time. Yeah. I feel terrible. Oh yeah, ex exactly that. Or, um, it's, it's happened on a couple of occasions where you go to take that afternoon, one or two hour long nap. Yeah. Um, and you, you wake up for a second, you see what time it is and you're like, oh, I'll sleep for a couple more minutes. And then you wake up and it's like one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you're like, I just, I just slept the last seven or eight hours. What am I supposed to do with the rest of my night now? It's kind of crazy. Legit. legit. That's crazy, yeah. man. Uh, you know, this, this leads in to the whole concept of this. So this podcast is called imposter syndrome. And it it's based on the concept of, of those three prompts. Basically, the first time you felt it, the, the most recent time you felt it, and how you deal with it. And kind of one of the things that I wanted to uh, uh, kind of prep into this is, one, what keeps you motivated to keep you pushing towards is, is Do you have an end goal or is it just going? And two, uh, and more importantly, when we, when we first met, so we met at Broadcaster, right? And when you when you started there, you were going radio. And I remember you talking about wanting to interview people. I remember you talking about wanting to do this stuff. And then you did it. Not naming names, but certain certain people <laughs> said it was they, they, they didn't think it was going to go anywhere. Uh, yeah. How did you feel at that moment when you got it? Because whenever you start an idea and go, I want to start this idea. And then someone says like, that's not a good idea. And then you showed them your work and like, that sucks. Usually people go, oh, screw it then. Like, how, what was your mindset at that point? How were you feeling? I, th I think for, for myself, like initially starting, starting out and whatnot. So I was a senior in high school um, and my favorite band at the time and still this day was Motion City Soundtrack um, and wanting to go into broadcasting or journalism, not quite having made that decision yet. 
um, you know, I, I decided like, hey, I would, you know, as I'm starting to get more and more into, you know, this kind of music and whatnot, I would like to, to interview and talk with these bands and whatnot. So I basically sent a Hail Mary email to Epitaph Records, you know, telling them, you know, that, uh, that I'm writing for, for my uh, high school newspaper, all that sort of stuff. Um, and to my surprise, about, I think a day or two later, they actually answered my email. Um, and we're like, yeah, be at the venue at this time. Um, so for my first ever interview, I was interviewing the lead singer of my favorite band, which I definitely could, couldn't couldn't have imagined. And for people who don't know, that'd be uh, Justin Pierre, the mm-hmm. the vocalist um, and also guitarist of uh, Motion City Soundtrack. <laughs> um, and then and then from there, um, even even like later on in that in that senior year of high school, um, there was a, a brand new uh, sports broadcasting college. And I wouldn't say that I was a jock, but I was uh, definitely a sports nerd in terms of just like how much I I followed sports. Mm I also played uh, hockey competitively as a goalie, but like any other sort of sport, you know, I was terrible at, but I had put a lot of work into, you know, playing hockey and playing Mm -hmm. goalie. And I think, you know, that that sort of not necessarily mindset, you're a part of a team. But kind of the the mindset of, you know, being a goalie and kind of, you know, being by yourself you know it's it's up to you you know if you let in a bad goal it's nobody's fault but your own type deal you know if you make a good save that type deal so i think a lot of that and growing up and you know even being deader than that um you know there was uh more than numerous occasions we had a a pretty good team and people just thought you know we had a good team but our goalies didn't get enough action or you know Mm -hmm. they weren't weren't particularly good that was a weak point in our team and there were several times, you know, I kind of stepped up and, um, and, you know, kind of, uh, took, took the reins and played really well. And we won a couple of provincial championships and stuff that hard work of just from like hockey and that sort of stuff. Um, it, it definitely, even at the time, if I didn't realize it, you know, 15 years ago, I think a lot of that mindset and that kind of, you know, always, always working hard, always striving to be better, um, kind of motivated me with the interviewing thing, but as well, it's like, there is always going to be an endless amount of bands, whether, you know, it's, it's bands popping off and getting bigger or signing to major independent labels to, you know, just awesome up and coming bands who maybe labels or the music industry hasn't quite caught on to yet. Um, and just being super stoked on them. So the, I think the thing that really keeps me going is just being able and having the, the platform to be able to, you know, spread, spread the word about new music, and new bands and get people hyped and stoked on it. Um, I can't tell you the amount of times people have said stuff to me like, hey, um, you know, does Rock the Walls ha- have any merch? You know, I'd like to buy a shirt. And my response to that is, you know, if you want to support me, if you want to support the show, go and buy merch of the bands that I have on the show. You know, that's, sure, yeah. you, you know what I mean? That, that sort of mindset type deal. But in those early days in doubting, uh, you know, pe- people doubting me, I would say even doubting myself, um, the first couple months of doing my show on college radio, mm. um, it was it was rough to say the least. Um, I legitimately would spend hours making sure everything was like meticulously planned out, what songs and what order. I'd even write down, uh, you know, what kind of what I had planned, what I was going to say, mm-hmm. and I would have it in front of me, and I'd read it, and I'd start, you know, mashing words together that don't exist and stuff like that. <laughs> And I can remember the uh, first broadcast because for anyone who's never done college radio, generally, if you're on air, also at the exact same time, you're also operating the board. 
Yeah. So uh, out of a rough, I think, first segment, uh, stumbling all over it, I left my mic on and the music wasn't shooting off. And I, uh, you know, kind of whispered the uh, and dropped the F-bomb underneath my breath. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then just like the just the amount of just time I, I was spending, I found more and more as I got into school and as I was doing the show and whatnot. Um, you know, in interviewing bands that I was spending more and more time on my radio show and, you know, setting up interviews and stuff than I probably was um, as far as classes and that sort mm. of stuff. Um, but there's, you know, just a, a couple points along the way where I can kind of remember where like, OK, like, yeah, this is this is definitely what I want to continue doing, you know, even after it's done in college and all that sort of stuff. So the band straight from the path they were uh you know coming up to canada for a string of shows after they had uh just wrapped up an american leg of a tour and their show their final show of that leg was in buffalo um and i had uh, emailed their publicist looking to interview them and they were like yeah they're crossing the border and i was like well i you know go to school probably about a half hour from the border if the guys need anywhere to stay um you know they they're more than welcome to stay at my place i i have lots of space yeah. Um, so they, they ended up coming over and we probably stayed up until like three or four, just shooting the breeze a bit music and playing the new NHL game, um, which was a ton of fun. Yeah. And then, uh, the next day I was, as they were about to leave, I was on my way, uh, to go to class and whatnot and forgot something important. And as I was on my way back, they were still there about to leave. And they're like, you sure you don't want to come in? It's going to be a sweet show tonight. You know, we're playing with comeback kid mad ball bunch of other awesome bands and i was literally just like you know what screw it i'm not going to class today and hopped in the yeah. van with them and and went to toronto type deal so there's been uh you know just many times over the years of just like you know kind of dropping everything for certain opportunities or just kind of just being like you know what just screw it let's just let's just go for it you know what i mean you have to live your life a little bit and and, and you know as much as they say that class is important college like all all these kind of things yeah like they're important, but what do you remember 10 years later? Do you remember the class yeah. you missed? Or do you remember that? And obviously you remember that. So you got your interview with, uh, with Justin from Ocean City. Surprised when you emailed him, like, how did you, how did you email Epitaph? Did you send them? Cause you know how in the industry they talk about, yeah. make it quick, concise, or did you give yeah. them your, your story, make it personal? Like, how did you go about doing that? So I, I pretty much just sent an email and 17 year old me at the time, you know, thinking that, you know, I'm going to write a professional email without knowing to write a professional email. And just, uh, I literally, you know, found the email contact from their website and, um, and, you know, sent, sent a request and it was just like, hi, my name is Patrick Walford. You know, I'm a, I'm a high school senior at Panting Memorial High School in Allison, Ontario. You know, we have, uh, the, the school newspaper, which actually that year at the time, nobody else had had committed to doing any sort of thing with it and i had actually gone to a teacher and was like hey you know i want to get into journalism you know i'd like to write stories for you know the website you know put up some interviews that maybe i've done uh, i can do and whatnot and they were all ears you know whatever you want to do type deal so in the email you know i just dropped a link to the to the website um you know basically told them you know i'd like to do an interview mm -hmm. to talk about the brand new album all that sort of stuff um, and yeah, they, they reach, reach back out within the, the kind of the next couple of days there. And then, uh, yeah, I was able to, uh, able to do an interview with Justin. Um, and I think from there and probably for about one or two years, uh, after that, like even when I was in college, anytime I would do an interview, I would, you know, obviously research, 
and have like a set list of questions in front of me type deal. Mm -hmm. But I would say now probably for the better part of like the last 12 years or so, uh, whether it is going on air or I'm doing interviews with bands or artists, um, I am completely, you know, flying off, uh, just uh, going on the fly. I don't have, yeah. I don't have a set list of questions in front of me or anything like that. I mean, that's not to say I'm, you know, going into each and every interview like completely cold, having no idea. You know, obviously, yeah. I'm listening to their music or you know, I'm aware of what they what they've had going on. You know, kind yeah. of what they've done. Um, and I'm kind of able just, I guess, to, to store those sort of uh, point forms, uh, you know, depending on the the conversation, because uh, mm -hmm. one of the big takeaways that I always remember, you know, from our teachers in college and whatnot, and um, them sort of teaching us, you know, the interviewing process, you know, whether you're interviewing a musician, an athlete, anything like that, that your next question should generally be a response to whatever their answer is. Mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean? Because it will then show that you're listening, but also I found as well, you know, having a set list of questions and, you know, talking with an artist about, you know, maybe recording guitar on their brand new album to go from talking about recording guitar to then doing, then, uh, you know, oh, okay. So, you know, uh, in, in other topics, you guys are going to be uh, touring here type deal, you know, when he might've mentioned, you know, how it was like a really strenuous process and they put hundreds of hours into it, you know, finding, you know, their yeah. sound and their tuning and their tone and all that sort of stuff. Um, it just it, it felt kind of uh, disingenuous you know what I mean to just like kind of hop from topic to topic sort of like that sort of awkwardly and yeah. whatnot so it's uh you know for the last yeah like 11 12 years it's just all been been about kind of having a conversation that sort of flows I mean absolutely nothing against um, you know any any interviewers or any people who you know have have point form notes or anything in front of them mm -hmm. I mean it's it's obviously obviously can be a, a great sort of thing but um, I just kind of more or less just took the training wheels off and just kind of went for it initially and whatnot, which is maybe a little bit scary at first, but now um, I think it's gotten to a point where, you know, I'm, I'm, re I'm relatively comfortable, you know, with doing that and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, I feel that even for this podcast, like this is, this is like the third one I've done up to this point. And obviously of course I have notes here and just like little point form things that I've looked at. But when I started this one, I, I thought to myself, I'm like, I don't want to make this to be like a great answer. Question number two. Like, I don't want it to feel like that. Yeah. I want it to be a conversation. That's why I had, I wanted to base around three prompts just so let the conversation yeah. be as it is. Right. <laughs> um, that was something that I didn't like, I didn't take radio. I took uh, a film and, but I still, I feel like I should have taken radio. I feel like I should have gone in that direction. Although I never finished anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, that was something that I did hear a lot there from teachers, from other students, from you is, is that aspect of keeping it conversational. So that's how I wanted to approach this. And I have, like, I have an improv background. That's, that's one of my big backgrounds from second city and whatnot. So that kind of comes more naturally for me. I think, I think it, maybe you agree. It's just that aspect of having to think about your questions and your prompts is just yeah. far too difficult to try to keep organized in general. Yeah. And and I think in in hindsight too though and kind of, you know, you talk talking about you going on the production side of things, I you know, almost feel like that might have even been a smarter path for myself just in terms of getting to know all that production sort of stuff and then, you know, just being able to kind of, you know, self self teach or, you know, kind of base off 
um, you know, your your presentation and your on air stuff of, mm-hmm. you know, just I, I'm, you know, a pretty critical person of, of myself. Um, you know, a lot of the time when like I'm recording something or I'll be like listening back to an interview and I'm like, why am I putting in these extra words here and there that don't need to be there and that sort of type stuff. Um, but especially now, like, uh, you know, all due respect to to the program and, and everything that we did. It was an absolutely amazing program. Um, it's, it's absolutely insane to see in the last decade, 12 years, just how much that entire landscape has changed just in terms of like, if you're an on-air person or you're doing this at a, you know, a TV or radio station, a media company, you also have to be able to do, you know, X, Y, and Z as far yeah. as like, you know what I mean? Uh, the stuff that they'd want you to do, whether that means, you know, cutting everything yourself, you know, maybe doing some graphic design or maybe, you know, doing, you know, like shooting your own B-roll and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's just, um, it's gotten even more of a thing where it's like, you kind of have to know everything without having to know everything. You know what I mean? Twan's class of photoshop has come in handy for me more often than anything else i took in that program oh yeah (laughs) like i already kind of knew audio editing and stuff before i did it in high school going to college it wasn't so bad i I got that but that yeah that class came in handy a lot uh feeling critical on yourself that's that's a that's a, a interesting thing to bring up when you're feeling those moments of feeling critical on yourself and thinking what's this word doing here what am i taught why am i rambling as I'm doing now. Uh, how do you deal with those moments? Because in a lot of cases, uh, when you feel that critical sense of yourself, in most times, it, you're the only one that notices it. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. An interesting, an interesting story before you get into it. Uh, um, uh, Marianne's Trench, Marianne's Trench. Uh, I played a show with them once and just fuck botched it. Terrible. And even left the stage by saying, so sorry, I'm a lot better than this. Bye. <laughs> and uh, I just went off stage and Josh Ramsey was standing there with his arms open to just be like, you poor, stupid son of a Why would you do that? <laughs> and I was like, I was terrible. He goes, yeah, but they don't know that. They have no idea. They don't know how your stuff is and all that. kind." So it's just an interesting thing to see. How, how do you look at that? How do you combat that? Um, it's, it's one of those things that honestly, it's like a, like a day to day thing, I I would say, um, there are days that I wake up and it just, you know, you just roll out of bed and it's just like, I feel like I legitimately cannot do anything right. Everything sounds like crap or, you know what I mean? Uh, you finish an interview and then all of a sudden you're just like, oh man, I should have asked about, you know, these four or five things, you know, (laughs) why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that type deal? Um, and I, th- I think a lot of the time for me, it's just having to like kind of take a step back um, and you know what I mean? Just kind of try not to be as critical as I can be, but as well, you know, with doing a lot of my interviews pre-recorded and whatnot, a lot of those flubs or maybe things I'm not too stoked on, I can mm-hmm. generally edit or cut out. So in that yeah. aspect, um, it, it, it definitely helps for sure. Um, but also as well, you know, with, doing it pre-recorded every once in a while um you know i'll i'll be starting a question and maybe i'll flub the words and all of a sudden i'll just kind of be like oh well i'm just going to restart that again you know beauty of the pre-record and we kind of have a little laugh about it and then you know i'm able to sort of collect myself and and get back into it type deal but a lot of that stuff is sort of the day-to-day i feel like a lot of people you know 
do podcasts, do like on air stuff and whatnot, they generally don't even like the sound of their own voice. <laughs> um, so, you know, doing stuff like editing and whatnot, you know, while you're being like hypercritical or, you know, you're able to tell, you know, oh, I sound a little bit tired or, you know, I don't sound as, you know, enthused and stoked right now. Um, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? You can tell that. But like, as you said, there is a pretty good chance that nobody else is going to sort of notice that. So it's just like, just knowing, um, you know what I mean? You just got to yeah. do do what you got to do type deal and yeah. just continue to, I think having that sort of, you know, hyper being sort of hypercritical in certain points, it definitely helps because it's uh, one of those things where, you know, I'm doing everything by myself that it's like the only person who's going to vote motivate me, you know, to be better and to strive to be better, you know, is myself, you know, there's mm -hmm. not going to be you know, I'm not necessarily, you know, sitting here and waiting for somebody to, you know, kind of kick my ass into gear. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As as a, a, a voice coach now for eight years, which is weird to think about. Um, one of the things I've learned uh, 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 the most out of all of it is that something that people struggle with the most is it's not that they feel like their technique isn't perfect. Or they just don't like how their voice sounds. And in a yeah. lot of cases, from what I've learned, is that as a voice specialist, I I can hear those little inconsistencies, but nobody else can. And yeah. one of the things with with your voice is that what you hear is the resonance of bone conduction inside your skull, and that highlights bassier tones. So you actually do hear your voice differently. So when you hear it back, and it kind of yeah. sounds like you're talking like this, you're not. That's how you sound. It's just that's not how yeah. you sound to you, right? Yeah. Um, Something that definitely that helps with that and shout out to these people for doing this because they definitely don't have to. And they definitely see, you know, this this bearded dude's face get all red. But there has been, you know, numerous occasions over the years where, you know, you're just kind of small talking before an interview. And then it's like, all right, sweet, let's go. And then I do my intro and I can see the look on their face and they're kind of just like, yo, like where the fuck did that come from and it's not that i'm putting on like uh you know like like a big like fancy fake radio voice ready thing i guess it's just the the way that i sort of say it and a lot of the mm. times um you know as i you know say finish that up finish the intro up and kind of ask them how everything's going you know they'll stop right in the tracks and be like first off like holy shit man you can like really turn that on or you know that was a really sick intro i really appreciate it type deal um, and that definitely makes you feel good, but um, as well, and a huge credit to these bands. Um, and it's something, you know, that is really near and dear to my heart and honestly means more to me than if I was to make millions and millions of dollars doing this is, you know, bands after interviews, you know, saying that they really enjoyed it or, mm -hmm. you know, some even saying, you know, this is, you're my favorite interviewer. You're always the best interviews that we do stuff like that. That is, that just did. It's a, it's a huge and a, a great feeling and it definitely you know motivates me just to to keep on keep it on type yeah. deal you know what i mean validation is an important factor in it so uh one thing that i'm reading and understanding about imposter syndrome is the fact that the the two psycho psychologists that coined the term i think their paper first came out in like 1978 or something like that they're actually starting to realize that it's not it's not real they want to they want to basically readjust it and uh, um, and kind of put a different theory to it. Uh, but that getting that personal validation from from somebody really does help to make you feel yeah. better. The problem is, is that you don't want to rely on only that because then it's all you're always chasing the win. 
Yeah. You kind of have to have those moments where you have those personal mantras to yourself as well. And one of the things that I always tell myself is that if the opportunity presents itself, you deserve it because if you didn't, it simply would not be there. Yeah. You know, so having all these like, uh, um, having all these shows that you're doing, being the music director, like uh, seeing your face on billboards. <laughs> yeah, which is the biggest, the absolute biggest, biggest trip ever to, yeah. to to say the least. I never could have imagined that for anybody out there who doesn't know, you know, the the college, the college that we went to and the radio station, um, you know, that we did our specialty shows on um, that legitimately at the time back in 2009, 2010, had a maximum listening bandwidth of about five to 10 listeners. If yeah. there was more than that, it literally wouldn't work. <laughs> um, and on top of that, you know, being from a, from a small, small potato town north of Toronto, you know, mm -hmm. like 10, 15,000 people. And to think every single Saturday night, there is, you know, double, sometimes triple the amount of people that live in my hometown are listening to me interview bands and talk on the radio and, you know, play music and whatnot it is it's a surreal feeling and i never ever could have imagined um you know where it's taken me and i think a lot of the time that you know i might have imposter syndrome or i'm hard on myself i try to i try to kind of think of you know kind of how far i've actually come along the way and just how kind of you know crazy the journey is and how mm. you know there really isn't uh too many too many other people out there um you know i would say maybe even in canada who can say that you know, they started a radio show in college and now, you know, 13, 14 years later are still doing it um, and still going strong. You know, no, no signs of slowing down or wanting to yeah. quit and, you know, kind of still having that same excitement as when I did, you know, first starting out in this. And I think, um, you know, it's it, it's an incredible feeling and I just feel so insanely thankful, you know, from from the billboards to you know, having the, the, the trust of, you know, the radio station, I do my mm -hmm. stuff on Adobe radio for them to, you know, trust me to give me full creative control, whether that be from the music that I'm adding every week to the bands that I have on to what I'm talking about when I'm on air. Um, you know, it's, it's not a case of, you know, somebody trying to, to steer me to, you know, do certain things here, or there type deal, you know, obviously, you know, there's constructive criticism, um, if need be, or if, you know, they notice something, Hey, you know, da -da -da -da, that sort of type stuff, mm -hmm. but to, you know, really have free reign, um, that is, it's, it's insane to think about because there's so many, so many times and so many people who, you know, here in Canada, I feel especially, you know, like internet radio and radio isn't necessarily taken seriously unless it's terrestrial radio for some reason. Yeah. Um, which which I don't really understand or know. And, you know, when we tell people the amount of listeners that we have every month, um, you know, how many live listeners I have, they get really surprised. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like, you know, I could have, you know, went on the the blue or the red path. Um, people who are in Canadian media will get that. If not, just look <laughs> up what the two biggest multimedia companies are where I could have, you know, just went to one of these stations and pretended to be, you know, this big country music cheerleader or yeah. be a huge fan of adult contemporary music or, you know, play, you know, some, some rock or some indie bands that I'm really not stoked on or anything like that. And that, you know, plenty of people do that. That's completely fine and cool. Um, but it was always something where it's like, I want to do this. I don't care how long it takes, um, you know, how 
if I ever, you know, get a full-time pay or anything like that, you know, I just want to keep doing this because I love this type deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's, that's the smarter way to go about doing it. You're, you're basically, you are building a brand instead of trying to pop off right away, which is yeah. one of the things I always teach students all the time. A common question that I get asked is, uh, I really want to make it. How long is it going to take me? And I'll <laughs> strap in. It could be eight. Yeah. It's going to be a while. Um, and what I tell people is you never want to pop off in that sense, because when you have to follow up, that's you, if you have no idea how you got to this point, you can't follow up and you're going to fall yeah. off. The interesting thing that you've done with this is that you've taken a medium at a time that didn't feel like it had as much of a voice on the, on the larger spectrum and gave it that voice, which I think is really important. And let's not, uh, let's not forget that basically what this makes you, is Nardwar. <laughs> you are basically you have become the 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 new age uh, Nardwar, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> Man, I, I I definitely still have a way to go to be to be a, be as good as him. And <laughs> some of the some of the digging that he is able to do to find out certain facts about about certain people and just how how stoked he you know still is. Um, you know, as long as he's been doing them and whatnot. You know, I, I look to look to people like him and, you know, I in, in a little bit of a way, you know, uh, you know, I can kind of say, you know, I've, you know, I kind of see myself sort of like him just in the sense of, you know, we've been doing this for, you know, uh, for, for uh, you know, close to a couple decades here. And it's like, you know, we're still just as stoked and we still love it just as much as when we started. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you've done it smart, man. I, I, I honest to God, there with the starting of this podcast, uh, uh, I thought to myself, I'm like, who do I want to have on this show? And uh, your name was the first one I put down. Thanks, man. And I really appreciate God, that. I put it under a column where I'm like, okay, so here's a column of, of people that I'll put down that I know. Here's a column of big gets that I'm not sure I'll get on here. And yours was the first one on that one. And I was like, I'm not sure if I have the time. You know, I'm, I'm super. <laughs> I'm oh, man, you could. You, you... I'm uh, I'm just like, you know, even doing this and, you know, getting to interview thousands of bands, you know, having as many people as I have listening to me and whatnot. I think I can safely say that I'm still like the same chill, exact sort of dude, um, you know, as I was when, when I when I first started and stuff yeah. like that. So I, you know, pe people people like you, man, and, uh, you know, us being as friends as long as we as long as we have, you know, anybody. Yeah. Who wants to talk to me about my journey and kind of what I've done and whatnot? I'm I'm always always there to to provide advice if they, if they feel like I'm somebody they want they want to get a, <laughs> advice from to you know just any any sort of thing. Uh, um, and I know when I was when I was booking this, uh, you know, bunch of shows we've been to, run into each other at a bunch of Motion City soundtrack shows and whatever else. And whenever my wife sees you, she's ah, Patrick. When I told that you were gonna be on here. She was super, super pumped, super stoked. Um, and uh, man, I just, I could not be more proud of, of everything you've done at this point. One of the reasons I wanted to start this entirely was because uh, uh, after experiencing loss a couple of years ago and whatnot, and trying to jump to, you know, run my own school and push this, I felt a lot of a lot of like pushback from myself and trying to keep myself small. And uh, the problem with feeling that sense of like imposter syndrome is that it can make you feel like you're the only one dealing with this. And, and what I wanted to do was surround myself with people who also feel this way. So that way we can, we can see that we're not the only ones that struggle with this. 
The only yeah. imposter really is that voice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's um because it's one of those things for me and where it really kind of shines through is, you know, I do my shows live and, you know, I air these interviews live. Um, and then sometimes, you know, when it comes to to reposting it or, you know, to posting it online for everyone to hear and see whenever they want. Um, you know, there's a sometimes there's just like a lot of doubt in there of just like, is this good enough? Are people going to criticize my questions or the way I ask them or any sort of stuff like that? And the mind kind of starts to race and stuff like that. But I think it's something that, you know, I'm trying to kind of just get in a stranglehold mm. of just kind of just being like, no, like, fuck you. You're not going to win this battle. You know what I mean? Because um, it, it's it's one of those things, too. And especially, um, you know, with the TikTok side of things, you know, I have a TikTok account, but I haven't started posting yet because I'm kind of so wrapped up in like, you know, when I launch this or when I do this, I want everything to you know, be perfect. I don't want it to come yeah. off as, you know, kind of, you know, uh, feeling like it could be amateurish or any sort of thing like that, you know, right from the start, I want it to be, you know, just really awesome and really good. But I think, um, you know, and the more that I thought about that, it's like, you know, being, you know, best of the best top notch right off the bat isn't necessarily realistic. And especially with something like TikTok, it's an app that like, you could have the nicest looking videos that, yeah. you know, the most professional looking, uh, you know, snazzy production cuts, all that. Um, you know, it doesn't mean it's automatically going to be a hit or anything like that. You know what I mean? It's some of the, some of the most viral TikTok stuff is just, yeah. you know, just random videos pretty much of just, you know what I mean? People taking a video on their phone and just like talking type deal. You know what I mean? That's been, that's been a lot of the internet. Like Vine was a huge part of that, but like TikTok is that. And one of the things that I, I interestingly did last year is I had a TikTok for a good like six months, and I was on it, using it, kind of uh, uh, watching videos, whatever else, in the sense of I was like, I'm gonna study this to see how these videos are done, what's the what's the structure, and then try to come out swinging, so I could do the same thing, and. I found a couple things. First, I found my first video got a bunch of views. And I was like, great. Then my next one's less and less and less and less and less and less. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And it turns out what it is, is the algorithm just kind of like shotgun blast you out and said like, okay, where does this belong? Oh, this belongs over here. And then just hyper focuses. And now the app is even more like that. So my best advice yeah. for, for TikTok is that when you put the videos together, uh, for instance, like, uh, when you look at your videos, you'll see across the top a little search, a little search bar, and it says find related content, whatever else. If mine for singing lessons, for instance, I have to say the word singing lessons, I have to put captions on that read the word singing lessons. And then in the actual like description, I have to say the word singing lessons and then hashtag singing lessons. Once you do all those things, then up the top, instead of find related content, it says singing lessons, and then it starts to go to the right people. So there's all of that to kind of pay attention to when you're trying to do TikTok and, and it's it's changing every single day as well, which is a pain in the ass. No, yeah, for sure. It's uh it's crazy to see what content goes viral and mm -hmm. what is really awesome content, but might not necessarily go viral, you know what I mean? Well, right now all over mine, it's Tears of the Kingdom at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> Dude, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, uh, it's It means the world to me. Thank you very much, man. No no problem, man. Uh, abs absolutely anytime. And uh, as a, as I said to you before, any any way I can uh, be of help or anything like that, man, just, uh, just let me know. I'm uh, always more than happy to.
I will definitely hit you up. Thanks, man. And it's just these voices in my head that tell me I am better off giving up or giving in instead of letting people down. And now these forces pull me in and make me stay in bed instead of getting up and convincing me that the morning's not my friend. And I know that I'm not the only one who's got these voices that they try.